We are in the book of Matthew in chapter 16, and I want to read um, 13 to 18. You will stand in our great God's honor. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we once again invite you, plead with you actually, to speak to us through your holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I wanted to share with you guys uh, a little bit from a card that uh, soon I got from our daughter. And of course, it means a lot to us to always get anything from our daughter because that's how parents are, right? And uh, she said, I'm purposefully grateful for you both to have made a trip across the world for our wedding. And then she goes on to just say, you know, a lot of memories there that we can share through the years. And, and I want to close with this part. Um, I'm so glad that you know our friends better and our Indian family. Abi is the kindest and most wonderful husband, and we love each other so much. The wedding was a lot, but it was worth it. I love you. Lydia, uh, my favorite new bride, <laughs> my daughter, and uh, now our new son uh, coming into the family, and uh, of course it means a great deal for her to say to us, we, we, we're happy, we're together. The scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that the church is the bride of Christ. That doesn't mean there aren't ups and downs within a relationship between a husband and a bride. But it means that there is a bond there that is unlike any other bond. And that's why in the scriptures it compares a husband and a wife with the bond between Christ and his church because that is one of the deepest relationships that we understand or that we participate in. And so anyway, I want to take some time this morning and look at the church. Why does the church matter? Why? Well, I want to start first with the designation. Um, notice in the text, he said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'll build my club place for people to meet and enjoy one another and have a lot of fun. Or, you know, I didn't build my 
community needs assessment center. Not to say any of those aren't important. Or he, he didn't say, I didn't build my online community or my YouTube channel. He said, I will build my church. The term is used 110 times in the New Testament. And actually, this passage is the first time the term church is used. So, uh, when the word church comes to mind, what do we think about? Well, oftentimes we think about a certain building where people go to worship. And I love the sign that's been here before I came. As you pull up through our drive and you see our, our building, it says, Welcome to the Meeting Place, Kingsway Baptist Church. The church is far more than the place where the church meets. But I do want to take a little time to say thank you for the different people who have helped us spruce up and give a facelift to our meeting place here at Kingsway Baptist Church. Uh, since COVID, we were able to remodel this sanctuary. Um, all the classrooms have been remodeled. We have a beautiful playground out there and thankful to God that he has allowed us to work on our meeting place because that really does have value. But we're more than the place where we meet. Um, one guy had explained it this way. Somebody said that the church is where you go to get hatched, matched, and dispatched. Now, to be hatched there is to be born in that place. And for many, they grow up in the church. They have families that are dedicated to the church. You know, I love the story of the parents who said, my parents love church, but it was hard for, uh, for me and for the other kids in the family because, quite frankly, my parents had a drug problem. They drug us to church every time the doors were open, <laughs> and it was difficult. <laughs> and then there are those who come to the church to be matched, to share before others, hey, I love this person, and this is a commitment before you, and it is before God. And I, I fear, quite honestly, there are some people that they come and they say, well, Lord, I hadn't seen you in a while, but I thought before I made this big decision and stepped into this, I'd come here where you are and have a little talk, because I might need your help, and I want you to be able to recognize my face. <laughs> and then there are those, the dispatch part, when you die, when you, when you face eternity. You know, there's something about coming to church because this is God's house. This is where God is, and, and I'm going to need God. And there are some I have discovered since I've been here that, I don't know, they think that the church is a place to meet all of your financial difficulties, your electric bill and the different financial needs that you have. And I don't want to spend a, a lot of time on that. But the church is far more than any of those things, guys. The word church, ekklesia in the Greek, it literally means to call out from. And, and the picture there is of an assembly being called out for a specific cause, for a specific purpose, for a specific goal. Now, I, I was thinking about this and I thought, so what are we called out from? And I just briefly want to mention two things. First, we are called out to be together. I'm not talking about the universal church, 
I'm talking about the church community, the local church. God has brought us together, and it is not an accident. This thing called following Jesus can be very difficult, and we need the support of one another. And I believe, quite honestly, that when God leads someone here and gives them a burden to say, hey, this is the place I belong, this is a place that I want to join, that that matters, that we are to be there, not simply for God individually, but for God in how we relate to one another through the difficulties that we face in life. It tells us in Romans 12, 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Uh, we find 70 times in the New Testament the phrase, one another. Love one another, serve one another. And so the list goes on. Guys, we are to be connected to one another. And for people who say, well, I love Jesus, but you don't have to go to church. I'm not sure they understand what the church is. They don't get it. Listen to this quote. Uh, one commentary, a guy said, Can I go to church and not go to church and be a Christian? He said, it's like asking the question, can I be a football player and not be part of a team? Boy, that'd go real well, wouldn't it? <laughs> or, can I be a bee without a hive? Lonely bee. Or, can I be a drummer without a band? Yeah, but drummers without a band are called one thing annoying. You know? Um, so, can I be a Christian without other Christians? Yeah, you can, but why would you want to do that if you begin to understand that we all need community? We all need one another. And, and so the first picture of the church, why we meet together, is because we need a place to come, a place of community, a place that we can share together. Secondly, the church shares a common cause. Guys, we're, we're called to follow Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. It's to be a follower. And as I think of what it means to be a follower in connection to the church, my mind always goes back to what Rick Warren had written in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, years ago. He said, the great commandment plus the great commission equals a great church. The great commandment, right? Um, we're to love one another. Uh, in John 13... 34 and 35, um, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. So our effort, our cause, it's to a lost world, but how does the lost world see us? By the way, we treat one another. Man, when people hear, it breaks my heart, when people hear about a church feuding and fighting, and missing why they're there, it hurts everyone in the kingdom of God. Everyone who belongs to Christ is hurt by that. So we are called to love one another. That's the great commandment. And then the great commission. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey Everything I have commanded you. Guys, we need to be aware that we are not here by accident. That we were not saved just to sit and sour. That we do have a mission. 
It is not enough for us to sit on the premises. We must go forward standing on the promises of God's wonderful truth. And, and that's the Great Commission. That, guys, there is a way to be forgiven. There is a way to have a life that makes a difference. There is a way to know that you are fully and totally loved. There is a way to help the people around you who are suffering. And I hear so much from broken people. And I'll be honest, sometimes it just breaks my heart. Thankfully, we can say, I don't understand all this. But Jesus came and he died so that we can have victory no matter what it is that we're facing. That there is victory on the other side. If God can be for us, who can be against us, right? And it says another place in Romans 8, it says, And we are more than conquerors through him who first loved us. That's the church. That, that I believe, is really the designation of the church. Now, secondly, is the foundation of the church. Look with me at verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church. Now there are those who translate this to mean that Peter was the one who was going to take the baton from Jesus and that I will build my church on Peter. There have been uh, some 260 popes that have followed uh, after Peter passing that baton, who have followed with that idea that that's the rock. But guys, I, I don't think that's what the Scripture is telling us. Look, Peter's a great guy. Peter followed Christ. Peter was there for Christ. Of course, he ran off when he told Jesus he would, he would stay there. Peter preached at Pentecost in one of the great movements of God. You know, 3,000 saved in one day. Peter, even tradition tells us, was hung upside down and he died on a cross upside down for following Christ and not being willing to reject Christ. But if the church is built merely on a person, he was not born from a virgin. He was not sinless. He was not capable of being the one to die for our sins. So I'm not knocking Peter. I'm just saying there is only one. There's only one, guys, who is able to die for us. I love Acts 4.12. It says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3.13. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, um, let me read. If, if you read from the Greek, that the words that are used give you a clue to the meaning of this, I believe. Um, he says... You are Peter, 
you're Peter, and the word means Petra. It means small rock. So literally, I could say, you are Pebble Peter. You, you know, you are, the, you are the small rock, so you do matter. <laughs> he says, um, you are Peter, small rock, and upon this rock, which means massive boulder rock, I will build my church. So what is he telling Pebble Peter in, in this statement? He is saying it is not upon you personally that the church will be built, but on, on your confession. What you just said to me. Go back here in our text. In verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Hey, this is the, the tall people. People are whispering about you. You know, That's who you are. Look what the text says, though. Um, but what about you, he asked. Peter, who do you say I am? This is what the church is built upon. Not, not merely Peter the pebble, but this confession. Notice what Peter says in his confession. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, who has been prophesied to come and, and to free us, deliver us. That's who you are. You are the Messiah, the Christ. The son of the living God. That's the massive rock. That, that's what he's saying to the wonderful follower, the man Peter. The church will be built not upon one of you guys. The church is built upon the only one it could be built upon, me, Jesus Christ. The one who has come to save us from our sins. Christ is the foundation of the church. And some people think, well, I'm a Christian because I go to church. I show up every week. I, I sit in that pew. I have my place. Uh, man, you, you can't carve your name on it in these chairs. You'll tear the chairs apart. But, but you, you know, you've, you've got some way of knowing this is where I belong. But guys, it is not enough to go to church. We don't, being a Christian... That's not defined by going to church. It is defined by being the church. Man, that's a big difference. Don't get me wrong. I want this place full of people. People matter. But I want it to be full, not because, hey, we all need to show up at Kingsway Baptist Church to prove that we're Christians. I want this place to be full because we all come to say, He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Man, that's where it's at. That is where my heart is. I talked to a guy. Um, time I got here getting these stories. <laughs> I met a guy this week. I went to visit someone, and uh, eh, they weren't there. You know how that goes. But I got to talking to this guy. We got to talking. You know, I said, uh, "Hey, I'm a pastor." And he started telling me about his church. I said, "Okay." He's telling me about all these wonderful things his church is doing. I'm like, "Okay." 
So then he kept telling me about all these people are coming. I said, okay. So then he kept bragging about all this stuff. And I looked at him and I said, be careful. He said, what? I said, be careful. I'm serious. Look at me. He said, what? Be careful that you worship the work of God instead of God. Be careful that you think the movement of God that you are seeing where you are is bigger than God himself. Be careful. Oh, well, we're, we're not doing that. I'm not saying you're doing that, I told him. But be careful. The devil wants us to fall in many ways. He wants us to fall when we think, man, there should be a lot more people here. Or, you know, we ought to be doing more things. Or who am I? Or I'm a big thud. Thud. You know, <laughs> you know what am I doing? But he also is so smart. You know, he's a slitherer. And sometimes he can get us thinking, <clears throat> there's no church like my church. And that means there's no Christian like this one. Both will cause you to fall. Be careful. Be careful. So let me ask you, not, I'm not asking you a question about Kingsway Baptist Church. Man, I want you to be here. I want us to do this life thing together. I want us to grow in Christ. But what I'm asking you is not about Kingsway Baptist Church. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Is your life built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Because that is the only foundation that can be laid. Do you lean? Do you rest? Do you trust on the finished work of Christ? Because that is the church. Churches grow. Churches die. In the sense that we often talk about what we see in the church. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christ in you. Is Christ in you? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So, are we playing church? Or are we the church? Are we showing up to try to impress God or somebody else? Or are we hungry? Are we hungry for God to fall on us? To fill us? To forgive us? To change us? To transform us? And thus change Bristol? <laughs> and beyond Bristol? And to make a difference in people's lives who are broken. Hey, short commercial. I know we gave one, um, and I'm, I'm thankful for Sherry sharing with Karen. Because, man, I want us to support her in prayer, and maybe God will lead on your heart, um, you know, or and me too. Some of us to to share in other ways. But I, I want to give another opportunity for us to be the church as well. You know, it's been heavy on my heart, and I told you I was going to share this when I found out more. And it's in the bulletin about this rally Tuesday night that starts at 545. And after the rally, there's going to be a town hall meeting. And I told you guys about the guy from Texas. And they have been successful in, I think, I might get the number wrong, but like 65 small cities and two counties they went to and were successful every time, have never lost a case in keeping the abortion 
facilities. I like that because he said he didn't call it clinic because clinic is a place of healing. Abortion facilities out. And he's in Bristol. He's going to be at that rally. He's presented that ordinance before our town council. And we need to be in prayer. And he made it really clear to, I think there was maybe 16 pastors at this meeting I went to, that the church needs to show up. That Bristol, the city of Bristol, needs to see that the people of God care about babies. And what happens to babies? It matters. And we have a chance not just to come to church, but to be the church. So, man, I, I'm making a plea, whether you're here in person or, or listening to this. Um, come. 545 in the town hall. It's at the Veterans Park, which is downtown Bristol. Um, what is that? I know it's corner of Piedmont. I don't remember the other road. But in the, in the town hall, they meet um, right next to the park. So Cindy and I plan on being there, and I hope you'll make an effort to come. Man, I just have a burden. I do not want Bristol to be known as the regional place to go for an abortion. They've shut down the opportunity in Tennessee. They've shut down the opportunity in Kentucky. They've shut down the opportunity in West Virginia. They've even shut down the opportunity in Washington County. So where are they going? They're going to Bristol, and they'll go to Abington because Abington, too, is a city and not part of Washington County. So, guys, if we don't stand up, I just don't want us to have regrets. Commercial over. All right, uh, next one. The third reason the church matters is because of its possession. Now, um, I'm not using this term as something we possess. Notice what our text says here. Um, it says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build... Get it? My church. This is Jesus talking, okay? Now we throw this around. Hey, I do it too. I tell, you know, sometimes I'll kind of forget and I'll say, Come to Kingsway Baptist Church, it's my church. What? Man, I love you guys and I believe you love me, but this is not my church. It's Christ's church. I love what 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves servants for your sake. It's what, it's what the Apostle Paul said. Man, I'm not here to talk about me. I'm not here to present me or to build myself up. What I preach is Christ. Jesus is Lord. That's what I preach. And to be a servant for your sake. It's Christ we need. It's Christ. Now, before you, you know, you just say, well, it's not your church, preacher. It's also doesn't belong to any church leader. I've heard nightmare stories in some churches where there's particular leaders that think the church belongs to them and 
cause a lot of pain in the churches. It happens. Um, let me just say to them, I know they can't hear me, it's not your church. As a matter of fact, guys, I love you. I believe in you. You are the church. But it's not your church either. And let me even go as far as to say, it's not our church. It's His church. It's the church of Christ. <laughs> Listen, this is from Max 20, verse 28. He says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. Now, let's just camp there. What did it cost Jesus, the church? What did it cost Jesus for you to be here? What did it cost Jesus for you to find forgiveness? What, what, what did it cost Jesus to form the church? His life. His blood. So do you have to go to church? Once you understand what the church is, how can you stay away? You hear me? Man. All right, I got one last point. And I know I'm over time. I had a, had a teacher in college who said, uh, Guys, you can preach hell out of them up to 12, and then you start preaching hell back into them. So I try to take that in account. But anyway, I got to go on. Last point. The church is essential because of its preservation. You are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. There have been a lot of uh, quick epitaphs out there to say, well, the church is dying. Uh, maybe we ought to go ahead and bury the church. Uh, you know, I hear it all the time on the news. Nobody's going to church anymore. <laughs> uh, the church is... Uh, it's barely on a lifeline. It's, it's not going to make it. And let me tell you, in, in America, there is certainly some truth to that. I think that God is pruning His church. And I think as it becomes clear that to follow Christ is in conflict, to follow this culture, this world, it's going to be harder to hide. You know, now we can just show up to church and play church. Now we can just come and nobody really knows what it's like when we get out of here. No, no one really knows if we're dedicated or not. It might be a little harder at Kingsway because we're a little group, but you go to a big group, they go to one of these churches that have a thousand people show up, there's no way to know. <laughs> No way to know. But let me tell you, when the persecution starts, there's going to be people suddenly not show up. So there'll be this weaning, I believe, that will come. Okay, i got to get to the text. <laughs> Notice what the text says. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Um, cities were surrounded by walls that provided protection for the city. And there were gates, and of course at the gates, people were able to go into the city, and people were able to exit the city. So, 
you know, the enemies would see the gates as the easiest place to compromise and to enter the city and to be victorious. But the gates of the city were also a place of authority. It was where the judges and the elders met. It was where cases were heard. Um, the gates of the city signified authority of the city. And so when Jesus speaks about the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail against the church, um, Hades literally means death. Some translations um, uh, you know, tell us it's against uh, the devil and you know, those spiritual forces. So whether it's death that has power over us, or whether it's our enemy that we talked about in detail last week, what Jesus is saying here, they are not victorious. You might translate it this way. You can open up hell's gates and unleash all the wicked forces on the church. You can persecute it. You can torture believers. You can kill believers. The church has been going on for over 2,000 years. You can burn their buildings down, but guess what? The church will prevail. It is indestructible. It's not going anywhere. And really, the best place uh, to think about, to look at this, is the cross. Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross. The devil's having a party. He's jumping around eating deviled eggs and deviled food cake and all that stuff. He's happy. Jesus looks defeated. Right? But was he defeated? No way! The church was just getting started. Before there can be resurrection, there has to be death. Before we can be raised to life, there has to be death to self. There has to be repentance from our sins. There has to be a clear turning to the Holy One, to God Himself. That's how it begins. But sometimes we act in the church as if, oh, that's all you got to do. You make that initial step of faith. You trust Jesus as Savior, you're forgiven, and then you just sit and sour until you go to heaven. You don't do anything else. It'll be okay. God understands. I'm just a sinner and I'm human. And Oh, yeah, I know. I get it. But let me tell you guys, if we are going to be what God wants us to be, if we're going to quit playing church and be the church, we've got to take some risk. We've got to step out there and say, well, you know what? I want to please God more than I just want to be liked by everybody. Man, we got to stand for something or we're going to fall for anything and everything. And He is the one we stand for. That risk does matter. Sometimes pain does come. Um, years ago, uh, when Matthew, Atticus's dad, was born, you know, you're supposed to count fingers and toes. Well, when I started doing that, Matthew had 11 fingers. I'm like, uh-oh, something's not right here. Well, we set up a date with Shriners, and they were going to remove He had two thumbs. I think, well, you can't see it. <laughs> On this hand, an extra digit coming out. And so we had scheduled with the Shriners Hospital in Greenville, South Carolina, to go and to have that removed. We got up that morning. It was a cold morning. There was ice and... I wasn't being careful. Duh, what's new? And so I'm walking outside, and I step on some ice, and we had an uh, air conditioning unit. And when I fell underneath, and I came back up, I sliced my head open, 
on the support of uh, that air conditioning unit. You know how your head bleeds. Man, blood's going everywhere. I go and get a towel. You know, it's like a two-hour drive to Greenville, so it's like we're not missing this appointment. So I'm going down the road in this poor towel, you know. And so we get to the hospital. Cindy goes to help to take care of Matthew and that issue. I go to the ER wherever they had to sew 17 stitches in my head. Or, But anyway, did that stop us from going? No. We went. Matter of fact, there's more to the story. Poor Cindy was there. and She got some kind of stomach bug trying to watch Matthew. I mean, it was like, man, this is not easy. This is tough. But what happened? We love Matthew. We had to go. We had to be there. We had to keep moving forward. Do you love Christ? Are you ready to take a little risk? Are you ready to step out in faith? Are you ready to, to be the church of Jesus Christ? Man, that's the call. And let me tell you as I close, it's not just about you and Jesus. We Baptists are really good at that. And it is, I know in one sense it's about me and Jesus because I personally cannot know life and forgiveness until I make that statement of you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But when I do that, it's not just about me. I become part of the church of Jesus Christ and He calls me to join a local fellowship and to plug in with other believers and to gather to do this thing called life in obedience to Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful I got you guys. God has led me here and I have found support from you. And that's the way it's meant to be for all of us. Remember when, when Jesus gave the, the Lord's Prayer? He didn't say, my Father who art in heaven. He said, our Father. Matter of fact, as you go through the whole prayer, it's not I, me, and my. It's our. Our debts. We're doing this thing together as the church. So, I just make a plea with you. Uh, if anyone here is just playing church, Please, I need you. We need you to be the church. If we're going to have, you know, we talk about revival. We talk, and, and you know, I've been, as you have, I've been praying, and, you know, and all that stuff. But if it's going to happen, the church has got to become the church. You hear me? And I know I get excited, and I'm loud, and poor Greg back there, he's trying to figure out how to go up and down with all I can't help it. This stuff matters. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving each of us. Thank you for forgiving us. So, Father, may we not live as if it's just me. May it be us. To love one another, to reach out to one another, but to be on mission for the cause of Christ. The great commandment plus the great commission equals a great church. May that be us. So God, what do you want to do in this time, Lord? You've brought us together today, and it's not a waste. You've spoken, and Father, may we respond. Uh, to come to the altar if you want us to come to make a decision where we are, to share before the Lord's people what you're doing in, in someone's life. Father, I just want you to have freedom among us 
Because I believe there are people here who have heard. Maybe you have spoken by the power of the Holy Spirit to them. Because we, we asked when we started this service, uh, Holy Spirit, please, we urge, we beg you to speak your holy word. But Father, I think you have. So Father, may we simply see you glorified in this timely call invocation. It's your time, Lord. And may we respond in Christ's name.